My name is Barbara Shaw and um, I come from Alice Springs. Uh, first of all, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners um, on this country on which we're meeting today and acknowledge all the elders, both past, present and future. Um, before I get started, I'd like everyone to have a um, stand for a minute of silence, only because we need to reflect on the last 10 years of the ongoing sufferings that the federal government brought to our people. And I'd also like us also to acknowledge our fellow countrymen, men and women, uncles, aunties, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, cousins, nieces, nephews, and grandchildren that we've lost, that have also been taken from our families and honour them as our heroes as we live on this under discriminatory laws. One minute starts now. Um, thank you all for coming uh, and I'd like to thank all those that have travelled near and far to stand with Aboriginal people um, that's been affected by the Northern Territory emergency response and also the Stronger Futures. Um, most of us in this room are from prescribed areas and we've all been affected by it um, and we've been living under it for 10 years and to our non-Aboriginal people who have stood by us in um, these struggles and supported us along the way over the last 10 years. I'd like everyone also to appreciate and thank during the next course of the few days the Intervention Rollback Action Group um, that co-founder, I am a co-founder of, um, that have put this event together. And um, also a little bit of housekeeping. Everyone knows where the toilets are outside. Um, there's going to be fires throughout the night as well. Um, I'd like to thank the ladies from the healing centre who did the smoking um, this evening and we will be having another smoking ceremony tomorrow. Um, and they're also going to be having a healing space because in this kind of environment and space where we're talking about traumatised people, we need to reflect on our self-healing as well. Um, parking, it would be good if you know, if you're first in, park here, but if there's no space here, park out um, along the fence. 
Um, there is a social guide over there um, to retweet anything that goes on here. So um, our social media guide there, those that are techno savvy with everything. Um, transport and meals, meals are gonna be provided here during the weekend um, and transport is available as well. Um, there's gonna be a, a good line of workshops happening also and it's, um, would be really great to have input and we also need scribes because at the end of um, the weekend we want to be able to put a constructive positive um, statement together um, to uh, deliver to governments and other um, politicians as well. And talking about politicians, I would like to acknowledge and if you can stand please, um, Member for Nullumboy. Just to let everybody know, this is our independent member for the Northern Territory Government. So I've um, had meetings with him in Darwin, so he is the kind of people, persons that would question the government around question time. He would, um, he's done a lot of requests for us at the moment at, on an um, independent level. Um, we do have a good line of speakers. A lot of us here um, on the panel have been affected by the intervention. So our first speaker is Frank Curtis. Um, he's also my nephew. <laughs> he is an Aranda traditional elder for um, Andulia in Alice Springs here. Um, he was a policeman for 26 years and he was a policeman at the time when the intervention came into um, the Territory in 2007 and saw his um, first hand and how difficult it was as a police officer and then a um, diversion officer as well. Well, my name is Frank Curtis. I used to be an ACPO for 26 years with anti-police. When it first came out in 2007, they got me to try and go in and search people's houses. But I said no. But they said that you gotta go and do it. It's part of our law. Because they rolled it out, um, the intervention in 2007, and our role was to go and check for alcohol in the houses. But I, when I went to them houses, I said, sorry family, it's my, my job to go and search your houses. But I knew them people didn't drink, but they still made me go and search them houses. Because I said, we actually do the groundwork for you mob and we see who drinks and who doesn't. But I said, <coughs> like I said, you know, to family, I'm sorry I'm, I'm gonna walk in this, into your house. But I felt ashamed and hurt. As a black policeman, going through our family, you know, I had no right to go in there. 
it made me feel shame wearing a policeman uniform. But I told him, policeman, I said, say, if I turned around and walked in your house, your own house, and went through the fridge and your cupboards, under the beds, I said, how do you feel? They had nothing to say. Because I think they felt it too. They were ashamed of doing that role. White policeman. I even told a sergeant. I said, I'll go, go and do red at your house. How would you feel, you know? But, you know, it hurt me. I was hurt. Why did government put this on, upon us, you know? Especially here in Alice Springs. And we were front line. I was front line. You know, I felt, I felt shame and, you know, sorry for them. It's like our family, that we had to go and search. But I told them, I said, I don't know who drinks and who doesn't. That's when the force come out to do um, seize liquor. But I told them, I said, you know, I don't really want to do this. I said, you, you know, we're going through a tough, tough time now. Would you mind throwing everything at us, you government? And especially with my job as a policeman. And also with the use diversion. I set it up. I wanted to get the young fellas in that to know the policemen and the policemen get to know them. I've done it for four years. Young Dylan Boller there, he was on the, on the program. You know, I used to look after all them young fellas, trying to get them out of way from trouble, you know, getting in trouble with police. And when Dylan, I said, I'm taking Dylan in, in my, in on, on the use diversion, a lot of the coppers said, no, we don't want him on there. I said, no, this is my program, not your program. I'll take whoever I want. So, you know, they, they tried to rule me and tell them that it was their program. It wasn't their program. I thought it up when I was working in Kanara. So I worked in West Australia Police as well as the Aboriginal policeman. I spent five years over there and I come back here because mum got really sick. She's on dialysis. And when they hand out the um, basic card, I had to go and stand in line with mum because he was on renal. And I told him my bad social security. I said, you make old, old people come in here and stand up and wait for two hours for a basic card. I said, this is all crap, bullshit. And I said, my mother's really sick. That's the reason why I come back, you know, to help her. But I still waited two hours in that Centrelink when, when they first rolled it out. You know, it was hurtful. It's like the old welfare days where you gotta go and line up and wait for your hand out. You know, tea, sugar, milk. You know, that hurt me, and it still does. You know, well, why are we suffering? Because at first, they was going to introduce to West Australia, Halls Creek. 
but known theory was just known theory. It wasn't a strike. So the more or less handball strike he known theory because we had no voice in the government. These West Australia and all other states, they're called states. And Norton Terry wasn't a state. So they handballed it to Norton Terry because we had no voice in the local government. Well, that's all I just got to say. I'll hand back to Barbara. Thank you, Frankie, for that. Um, like Frankie, there were many ACPOs at the start um, of the intervention, and a lot of a lot of them had to do what um, we're told to do. What Frankie was talking about, and they actually made that choice to leave the police force because the police were told to roll. You know, people like Frankie were actually told to do things to their own mob, and Frankie was one of those people who couldn't do what the police told him to do to his own people. Um, so hands up for policemen, you know, former police officers like Frankie. Um, I had my uncle also do the same thing, quit the um, police force because he was told to go into people's homes, search and, um, uh, yeah, just basically search and invade their homes, um, even when, you know, families with children, old people around. Um, yeah, so... Um, now we have Vince Forrester. Um. Oh. Okay, we've got um, Uncle Vince Forrester, Vincent Forrester, who is <coughs> a literature Ardenter man. He, is also, he has also campaigned against the intervention since the beginning, travelling to Canberra and lobbying the government in 2008. Um, he stood as a Greens candidate in 2008 and 16 into election um, and he's also been elected, recently elected to the Uluru Working Group uh, for the Referendum Council. Thanks, Bob. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. My name's Vincent Forrester and um, I can start a little bit prior to it. I'm one of the leaders in this community but leading up to the intervention, I can remember coming into Alice Springs, getting my groceries, and going back to a place called Mutijulu on the base of Uluru. That night, I got back there. I was courting my young wife at that time, and we, we get out there, and I unload all the, all the groceries. And then I sat down and had a cup of tea. Cup of tea, a dry area. And if anybody know me, I usually have tiny little lap dogs. My rut wheelers, eh? Tiny little ones. And I'm sitting down there, and my little dog lady, she couldn't talk. She could talk with her eyes. And she's looking at me and looking at what's going on. And I walked outside, and there were nine coppers. All had a shotgun. Everybody had their finger on the trigger. Well, in a squeaky voice, I said to him, don't breathe, boys. And all I could do, I could sing out to my, my wife. 
Janine in a really softly voice. Well, she's a white girl. She come up and seen these coppers, what they doing. What you reckon? What the bloody hell are you doing there? Have you got a, have you got a, a, a what, a, they give the police permission to go in people's houses? A warrant? No, 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 no. And they were going to shoot me. They'd closed down the, the Rangerville. They'd uh, got uh, a gunshot trauma clinic down the clinic. And they come in and they were going to blow me away. Because they get a little bit of attitude, eh? Mm. And then, not long after that, there was this program called Lakeline. They come and they said, all Aboriginal men, we alcoholics, we all bash our wife, we all will not work, and we all pedophiles. They come and they set them, and they set us up on this bloody light line program. And there was this man in a hat, blacked out his face, and said he was a youth worker at Murugelu. No more, my son in law was a bloody youth worker, saying all these bad things. And they shown cutaways of this community where kids are walking around petrol sniffing. Hey, don't look behind, eh? Uluru must have changed shape. They took bloody Amata and they put him on that was Asmob at Murugilla. Yeah. There were things going on. Young people, they mourn each other. They just, you, you know, if anybody in this room, they say they'd never done it with those young people, go away. Young people allowed to have sex. It's true. There are young people. You know, all the bloody coppers and judges and all that, if they had looked at their youth, they would have seen the same thing. Those young people, they starting out in life and they're allowed to do it as far as I'm concerned, if they're old enough. And then, big kapapal, paid in Murijulu. We had, they said that we had sex rings and whatever going on. And pornography. If you want to find that stuff, you go to Canberra. They get porn, porn industry there. You go and have a look inside Canberra and them places. They said all these bad things. And then there was a little children, a sacred report. This is let out. And then they suspended the, the Racial Discrimination Act. In record time, they, they um, put through emergency, Northern Territory Emergency Intervention. No debate, went through both houses of parliament. So both Liberal and Labor government guilty. Not Liberal government, not Labor, Liberal and Labor. Then come along the Minister for Sexual Deviancy, Mel Bruff. He come to Murijillo. He come at General Chalmers. All the Aboriginal diggers. And he come at the Commission uh, Federal Police and all the troopers. And they invaded this little community of Murijillo. Terrified the shit out of all the women. And the women, they fled into the sand, was taking their children with them. They thought it was going to happen again because we still got living memory, us mob. We know all the Chigiabagacha stuff. We know that we've seen it with our own eye. And they terrified. So psychological terror reigned on that community. 
So the intervention was introduced. They emasculated all the men. They took their ngampus. Mm -hmm. That's what they'd done. But then they came in and they attacked the men. When they came, they closed all our community councils. They took away all employment. They took away the employment of people. And when they took away the employment, closing down there at the community council, they also took their assets. Over decades, we'd built up our own economic base and we had assets like bulldozers, graders, community buses, garbage trucks and so on. They introduced another form of colonial oppression called the Shire Councils. And then they took all our assets. They took our businesses and they took our bank accounts. They, I mean, uh, say like Tichikala down the road, they had an award-winning tourist industry uh, uh, venture going there. They shut that down. They stopped all economic activity. The, ab the black dollar in this town is about more than just over a third of the economy. So they took our businesses and their bank accounts. This is true. All the millions of dollars from them bank accounts, they took them because they could do it and we had no right of redress. We had no right of redress because they could do it because how the constitution is written in Australia at the present time. But then, to attack it further, they introduced the basic card so that everybody who knows a little bit about economics, you know if you stop the bloody cash flow, it's going to interfere with the whole economy of the region. You walk downtown now, you look, your eye will tell you no lie. You will not see one young Aboriginal person working in the bloody shops. But guess that's where all our money goes. All the draconian racist laws applied. When they came in, they knocked all the skilled workers out. Say, so if, if there was a tap or a plumbing issue broken down at Santa Teresa, they gave them all the bloody contracts to outside contractors. When in the meantime, you got the skills of people out in the communities who could do that work. That's how they came in and oppressed and emasculated the man by taking all that power away there. Mm -hmm. The propaganda. We all know them famous big blue and white signs. No pornography. No alcohol. No this, no that. And they put it up for all the territorians to see. That created a, a racist backlash against us. The racism was even entrenched more when they done that. They say, yeah, we'll put in new laws. Not only the men were going to prison more, have gone to prison more, they've introduced more draconian laws, they're now bloody imprisoning our women and the children and the children. 
And then you've got the racist ideologies out there. And uh, we've seen what happened to that young boy walking around, young Dylan, that young fella, how they tortured that child. The world seen that and the world was outraged on what took place. And then big pot gutter screws were in there kicking the shit out of these kids. That, they got that from the mentality of white men that they can do anything to us. That's what happened. That's how people think, the psychology of them bastards. Never mind about the, the uh, increase in suicides and all these types of things there. They profiled our children and they make it a crime to be black and to be poor. This is the inhuman side of the bloody intervention. They came and they took our assets, our houses and everything. They come and they spent $600 million in the first place and we never got one house. $600 million. Uh-huh. So, but then, phew, where do we go to tomorrow? That's the question. Where do we go to tomorrow? It's no good having this big, heavy heart feeling. We've got to get, and we've got to get re-energised and the fire in the belly into where we go tomorrow. Later on, when your mob go out, I'd like you to get the Ulrich statement. Have a look at that there and send us to as many people as you can because we've got to address this question tomorrow. There's another time of talking about tomorrow because today we have to talk about tomorrow and those things will come about. And see all the young people, but get your head around the Uluru Statements, Barb and I on this committee, and uh, we've got to talk about bigger picture stuff, eh? Mm -hmm. um, Pastor? There, I got it. Um, thank you, Uncle Vince, for that. Um, just also going on to what Uncle Vince was saying um, prior the intervention and announcement, um, there was a lot of reports going through the courts and um, a child magistrate by the name of Nanette Rogers, she um, made it clear and went through the media saying that there um, were a lot of pedophile rings amongst Aboriginal communities and um, the worst perpetrators were there was our men. Um, and then, you know, that those um, media reports about child sexual abuse um, then triggered the Little Children of Sacred report um, led by Peter Anderson and Rex Weil, and that was initiated by the NT government. At the time, it was under uh, Claire Martin, our former Chief Minister. And then from there, you know, they sat on it for a while, and, um, and that's when Lateline came on and... Um, on ABC and other, I guess, other people around the country that also influenced um, the Howard and Bruff government in putting the intervention, trying to save our lives. Um, the intervention might have had its good intentions, um, but it didn't. Um, and it still hasn't. It hasn't saved our children and it hasn't... Um, stopped antisocial behaviour or domestic violence, what it was supposed to do was, I guess, more to control us. Um, I guess with the Stronger Futures, after John Howard and Mal Bruff lost their government in 2010, 
2000, sorry, 2011 elections um, to Labor government. So he had Kevin Rudd, our former Prime Minister, and Jenny Macklin, our former Indigenous Affairs Minister. Um, yep, they <laughs> put through Stronger Futures legislation for us. Um, so just basically gammon watered down the intervention. Um, at the time of the passing of Stronger Futures, I was actually sitting around a fire um, 2.30 in the morning with one of my grandfathers, um, my grandmother's little um, brother, and we listened to how federal government passed uh, Stronger Futures 2.30 in the morning. Um, so our next guest speaker is um, Dr. Janini Gandara, AOM. Um, he's a Yurgan man from East Arnhem. Yeah, East Arnhem. Um, he is a pastor with the Uniting Church and he has fought the intervention from the beginning as well. You just couldn't believe that we just reached 10 years of intervention, the damage that the government has done to our people. Just couldn't believe. Somebody should send an email to John Hart and Malbrap saying, you just made a big damage and you fix that. I was one of those, um, a person who, uh, I suppose one would say a forerunner of trying to stop intervention. Um, I saw a lot of the things what was happening to our people um, in territory, uh, Santa, um, Troplin, Northeast Arnhem Land, Central. I suppose Northern uh, Intervention has covered the whole territory where people were so frightened living with things that everything was taken away. Everything was taken away from our people. This is what the government has done to our people. Nothing was left, and my brother was already saying everything, whether it has to do with council and the, the council asset, the life, family, children, everything, you can name them. This is what Australian government has done. This is what they say, peace, order, and a good government, which I couldn't believe. It's terrible. And they reach 10 years. And question that my brother just said, what is the next? What will we do from now? This is, this is terrible. You just couldn't believe. You just couldn't believe if Australian is based on democracy. Is it? I don't believe. This country is a racist country in the world. This is the country only Australian 
that has never given the first people tree. I remember the time when I met with this little girl, Jenny Macklin. And I talked to her. I said, look, what this all about? It started with the CLB government, with John Howard and Marlboro. And now you're taking over, Labor government, you're taking over, and you took the same initiative of creating more worse than them, both government, and targeting and arrowing to Aboriginal people of this country. People who were not hunter and gatherer. We were not hunter and gatherer. We were not normal. We don't walk around, walk about. We are the natural farmer of this country. This is our country. We live with the country, we live with everything. You know who made the damage in the first place? Anthropologists, because they tell lies about everything. They're the worst criminal. Any Benson is very, very bad and damaging our life. Now look at what is happening right, right now, right across the territory. You go to Arnhem Land, you see everything people are doing because what their life has been shaped by the intervention. They're doing it, everything. They're damaging everything. And the police going around and saying, stop what these people are doing. And we're saying to them, we can't stop them. You stop them because you've done the damage. You've done it. And you government. We had our Jukurba. We had our law. We are people of law. And our law is not role of man, it's role of law. From the day one, from the beginning. I remember I went with Nala Mount to take Australian government to United Nations. I remember sitting down writing a shadow report with her because the government, Australian government, took their report to the United Nations saying all the measure, measure that was not created by us, by them, and they were telling United Nations that everything is all right. People are comfortable. They like everything. They were telling lies. After they finished their speech, I stood up and I present a, a certain report, I'm saying, all this measure is, it's nothing to do with us. It was no consultation with our people. Nothing at all. And here they are telling the IS, the law, in the com global communities, in Council of the United Nations, by saying all this sort of lies. I challenge them. And we continue to live with this measure that they are creating. 
And all this measure that they are creating, saying, is what had happened in 50s or 30s. So-called welfare mortality. Answer. We're not going to live for another 10, 10 more years. Something must be done now. And the leaders of today, we have to stand strong. We have to try to push very hard to stop this. You know, they're creating another basic, basic, basic card, Europe, um, a format of a card. What's this all about? Are we always going to be a puppet in a string for them? We are a nation of our own right. We were a nation once. It's not to do with civilization. It's not to do with industrialization. It's not to do with modernization. It's to do that people live here, life with law, with order, everything that we had. Before even the invasion came into this country. Bear in mind that this country was taken without negotiation. No treaty at all. Nothing, nothing at all. They took, they took our sovereignty. We are still a sovereign nation, brothers and sisters. We are. Yeah. To be strong on that. And we need to fight for that sovereignty. I represent I established in 2011 when after, after the intervention was passed through the Senate. I established in 2011 called Yolngu Assembly. Yolngu Nation Assembly is operating now. Mark, even though Mark Guilla is an independent, law, independent um, um, represent a Nolanboy seat, but he's also standing, one of his legs standing in assembly, and he's also representing assembly, and he's a spokesperson. So the people over there, we have an eight nation, and we come together every time and we talk. When we put a pressure on this young man to go and tell legislative assembly that this is what we are thinking now. What animal and people are saying, 10 years is up and must be stopped. No more. Let's join that. We should all come together and say no. There must be a new initiative. And that initiative has to come from the movement of the people, from you and me, not from the top. It has to be people movement. It has to be us. The people who live in the land, with the spirituality, with the law, everything. We have Jokorba, we have law, and that has been here from the forefathers, from the generation to generation, we have to stand strong. Okay, we have seen all the damage. What my message to the Australian government must today now, as being the one of those initiators, and trying to stop government. My message now today for them is to fix 10 years damage that they have done. Not us because they're going to blame us. They're going to blame us because we don't send the children to the school. 
they're going to apply masks because, because there's more and more young people damaging who are doing all, you know, crime. They're going to apply masks. Everything, what is happening, they are blaming us. We must turn that around and say, now, you started off. You are the initiator of intervention, and then from there, stronger future, Labour government, you took. It is you done the damage, you fixed it, not us. That's what we must be giving the message to the government today. And we have to be strong. Everyone, right across territory, because we are victim. We are not offender, we are victim, they are the offender. Because they don't believe the democracy. They play around with the democracy because they don't know what democracy is all about. Because the Timau, democracy means Timau is people. Comes from the Latin word. Crisi is from the Greek word, it's called power. When you put together what you get? People power. They don't believe, they don't believe that. They don't know. That must be now the Latin. That must be now the Greek. We can tell them this is what it means. But you don't practice democracy in Australia. Government. We, we practice that. We Yolngo people. We Aranda, Nunga, Mari, Kuris. Let's stand together being a nation to fight this, to fight this, and get our right back, get that democracy back to this land. Because we, once we walk in this land, the land of the spirit, the land of ceremony, the land of the spirituality. I'm not only a minister of the word in the church, but I sing, I sing, I sit, I learn from my father, everything. So my message, I want to challenge all of us to stand strong and stop these 10 years of suffering, pain, poverty, anger, Frustration, family breakup. 90% of our people is in prison. We didn't do it, they do it. Let's stand strong together. Be a people of a dream. Be like what Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. Let's have a dream for tomorrow. And thank you for that, Doctor. Um, he's absolutely right when, we, when he says standing up and that was our theme for um, this weekend, is standing up, standing strong and standing together. Unfortunately, what the intervention has done and Stronger Futures is actually divide our mob, and not only our mob, 
They've also divided Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people. Um, we live in this world together. We walk both worlds. You know, we're always looking back because we know ourselves, we know our history, we know the white man's history when they first come here on their boats and we know our own history from our grandfathers and our grandmothers and we still live it today. Um, so for now, I'd like to introduce um, my grandmother, um, Elaine Peckham, is a, a central Adunda woman from Mbandawa, Alice Springs. Um, she lived under the intervention when it first came out. Um, when she was living on her homeland, um, west of here, um, along the Lassiter's Highway, well, not Lassiter's Highway, Namadura Highway, in Burry Road, <laughs> um, which became a prescribed area. She stood up and challenged the system um, from the beginning and believes we need to keep speaking out and keep challenging. Um, it's been 10 years, it, oh, sorry, it's been 10 long years and 10 years too long. Elaine Peckham. Thank you, Barb. I feel a bit emotional now, um, hearing from yourself, uh, because when we first went on the road up to Down, we did meet and we talked, and hearing you today is still there and always with me, will always be with me through the rest of my life, because I believe that this is who we, who we are and, and who we'll stay, where we will stay strong in our spirits. But I too like to speak on what, how I went through the intervention in 2007 I was living out on my homeland, although I grew up here, I'm a central Oriental woman. I grew up here in Alice Springs, educated here at the uh, first school here, the, uh, the old Hartley Street School, like the rest of us here, maybe in this room tonight. And um, then I went back and I wanted to go back onto my homeland, out on, out on the West Max, part of my mother's and my grandparents' country. For 28 years I lived out there, growing up with my children and my grandchildren, because our parents in them days gave us a choice. But did they, did the intervention ever give us a chance to get out and have a say? And, um, but our parents did. They gave us our choices. Growing up, being educated in Alice Springs, gave us a choice to go back later in life, to learn how to live on country, go out and roll a swag, live out there with nothing, had to cart water from the nearest place and that was out near Joe Creek. We had nothing, not in a shelter at the time. So that's part of my, I call it my story, my life, my journey, and it will continue and keep still talking out about the intervention 10 years down the track. I'm travelling to Canberra in the old bush bus with a lot of women and men from out on the communities that gave up their 
a lot of their life skills living out on, on, out on their communities. And an old lady that lived out at um, Windermere at the time that started the petrol sniffing out at Mount Thea. She was on that bus, her and her husband. They travelled with us all the way to Canberra. It took us five days to get to Canberra. And a lot of women in this room today are still with us who had made this happen for us, who has been, who stood by us throughout this long journey. And going up to Darwin and just letting people know that um, this is happening to us. Let's get together, let's be, let's come together as one. Let's be one voice. And even going down to Canberra and camping on the lawns there, um, saying this has happened to us in the Territory and um, it could happen to any other states. But I don't think anyone else had heeded that warning. It wasn't a warning, but we wanted to let them know how hard it, it was for us to live under the inter intervention and to be questioned. We all grew up, you know, having jobs, paying our rents, paying and... Um, you know, living on out on the land, it just didn't that we weren't living out there on free land. We still had to pay for our rent, electricity and gas. And yet we were still came under the intervention and given the the basic card. I happened to come into town one day and um, I went around to my son's place and he said, Mum, he said, You better go down to Centrelink and I said, What for? He said to me, things have changed. And I said, what do you mean changed? He said, the government has changed and you need to go down. Well, I was shocked. I couldn't believe that it was happening. And I said, okay. I went down and the first day I went into Centrelink, I looked around me and I saw all these men and women all dressed in black suits with their briefcase in their hand and our, my, our people standing in big lines waiting to be told that they were going to be put on the, the basic card and changed to their pension. To me, I can vividly remember all that. But um, So I sat down and had my interview with them and Yes, it was a shock and here they had um, computers all set up and in language, you know, for people to, who couldn't um, with English and all this was set up in front of us right before our eyes and I just said to them, I don't really, I don't need that. I said, I can speak English very well. So this is how discriminatory that took place in that Centrelink office when I was there getting interviewed. I even asked for a, um, a manager after I had my interview. I was not even allowed that. They said they were too busy. So I just said, I still want to see the manager because I'm not too happy of how I went through the interview. Anyway, they led me up to this young Aboriginal woman 
And um, she said, oh, I heard that you aren't um, happy with um, your interview. And I said, no, I'm not happy at all. I said, I didn't like the way we are being treated, spoken to. And I said, to just look around you in this room. I said, any one of these old ladies here in, this, in the lineup today could be your family, it could be your auntie, it could be your uncle. Well, that, after that happened, I just um, found out later on after I had that little talk with the lady, she said to me, she said, Elaine, I'm not from here. She said, I'm from Western Australia. And I felt so bad about it because I thought um, she was like one of us or because she was an Aboriginal woman, you know. Um, but anyway, I apologised to her and I just said, um, I'm sorry, but um, it's just because the way I felt by sitting there and getting interviewed. We'd have been about three weeks after when I went back for my second interview and I said to them, no, we're going to go back and I'm going to write up every single word that was spoken that day in the Centrelink office while it was still fresh in my head. And I did that and I took it back. And the young lady that was the, who was there that day, she came up to, to me and said, Elaine, would, I, would you be able to give me one of the copies of your letter? And I said, yes. I said, seeing that you were so good to me and listened to me and had the time of the day for me at the time. So later, but anyway, through all that, I was still put on the basic card, the basic human rights, the green card, we called it at the time. And then the... Um, the Stronger Futures came into place then. But after doing all my travels throughout the Territory and down in Canberra, I started doing a bit of the leadership program that came out with the Fred Hollows Foundation because I wanted to know more about the legality of it so I can speak up and have a voice to challenge them, to challenge the government. And so that was part of my, my story, my life, my journey of going down to Canberra and doing all those leadership programs to come back and challenge the, the system and the way they're treating us here in the Territory at the time. Um, but 10 years down the track, we thought it was only going to be five years but 10 years down the track, here we are still breathing out there strong. And like I say, it's that spirituality in us that gives us the right to be able to have a voice and have a say, our cultural basic human rights that was given to us by our forefathers who have walked this land for so many years and still with us today and in spirit and will continue being with us for the rest of our lives. 
And that's what I like to say. And thank you very much for listening tonight. And I'll hand you back to Barb. Uh, thank you, Granny. Um, now, I, I guess on closing, um, <laughs> um, I, I was supposed to be part of the panel um, and I've got my bio in front of me and I don't really like talking about myself. Everyone talks about me instead. <laughs> um, but first, I, I start, I'd, I'd like um, three people to stand up in this room. Um, Annie Diane Stokes, Uncle Mark Chungalu, and Audrey McCormack, can you please stand up? Um, prior to the intervention, um, these three were interstate campaigning against the Muckety nuclear waste dump that was going to be proposed in the Northern Territory, north of Tennant Creek. Um, so. Yeah, just acknowledge them once more. Um, they also got a shock to find that, yeah, that, that the army was going to come into the communities and um, take over, I guess, with the federal governments. Um, a lot of money has been spent on saving our lives saving the Aboriginal culture, trying to get rid of our rivers of grog flowing into our communities, our pedophile rings. Um, so a lot of things have happened and we've seen it all and I guess elders have seen a lot more prior to me. Um, I'm, see what a friend has written about me. Uh, my name is Barbara Shaw. I was born here in Alice Springs. I'm a descendant of the Katy Charanda, Walpuri and Warramunga people. I live in a town camp like just maybe five, 50 metres, 60 metres away from here. Um, so those that are camping over um, at, on the block, you'll pass my camp anyways. Um, I've stood up against the intervention since day one. I... Um, seen all the media about our children um, with Nanette Rogers. Um, then I've seen, you know, the Late Line program. Then I've seen Noel Pearson, you know, one of the influences um, that was there with John Howard, I guess, and Melbourne. I was actually in my living room um, on that night. Um, back then, um, my daughter was two years old. Um, and now she's 12 and a lot taller than me. Um, and she still lives, lives it. Um, and we all live it. I don't think anything's going to change because of compulsory land acquisition and how the government still um, got our communities. And that's another way of our, um, the Shire coming in as well. So prior to 2007, you had Aboriginal people and traditional owners standing up for their country. Um, and we had people stand up against the uh, Shire councils because what happened is that they'd abolished 
all the Indigenous community councils right through the Territory and put in the nine super shires, um, which was another avenue of trying to control us again at a local level. Um, we've seen three federal elections, no, two federal elections to Territory and also local government or shire um, elections um, in the last ten years. Uh, like many people on this panel and many others that aren't with us today, we've done a lot of speaking tours around Australia, trying to educate a lot of the non-Aboriginal population and Aboriginal population about um, the intervention and what heartache it had caused, um, how much money has been spent on it. Um, so I'm not going to really speak for too long. Um, I've also, like Uncle Vince, and um, we both ran as um, Greens members for elections. Vote from the Greens. Yep, go the Greens. And talking about Greens, we're going to have um, Senator Rachel Seawert in our space, um, as well as one of the supporters of, um, of our campaign and one of the... And she's the Green Shadow Minister for Indigenous Affairs also. Um, Yes. Um, I used to work for um, Tungandura Council as a co-coordinator for our women um, on town camps tackling, tackling um, family and domestic violence. I also was a um, unofficial carer for a lot of children. Um, I now am... Um, an engagement officer for the Royal Commission into the Protection and Detention of Children in the Northern Territory. Um, we've got our last hearing um, next week, so I will be leaving you here Sunday afternoon. Um, I'm also co-chair for Aboriginal Housing NT, which is another body um, that Aboriginal people want to enforce their rights in becoming... Um, you know, proper owners of um, self, de I guess, self determination and um, have have that kind of influence on um, government at that level. Um, what else have they got here for me? Um, yeah, if anybody else wants to know anything about me, you can Google me. <laughs> That's the only other way I tell people. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess I want to set the scene for this weekend also. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of our workshops, what we have to keep in mind too is we need to think about the future of our children and our, and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren um, because there was a lot of opposition and there still is today about our Aboriginal kids. Um, so we want to discuss community governance and where our next generation can be taught how to govern their communities and get involved in that, in that space. Um, I, along um, with Matthew Ryan from Menangrita, will be here tomorrow. Um, he will be doing a housing session. Income management, you know, it was the biggest expenditure out of the intervention because everyone on CDP in the, in the Northern Territory had to, um, when they scrapped CDP, 
everyone went working for the doll. So still today, or it might have even increased um, $8,000 per year per person to administer income management. Um, education, well, um, under Stronger Futures, we have the SEAMS program. Um, that's uh, school enrolment and attendance measures. And what happens there is that um, there was yellow shirts. So we, we have truancy officers put into our communities and in our town centres. Um, they report say that children's education or attendance has increased um, in the bush, yes, but in our major town centres, no. Um, only because our mainstream student uh, teachers and the education system cannot deal with our children who have been traumatised, I guess. Um, and uh, jobs, we have um, Kuman J Gibson who's going to be doing, um, along with education or unions, um, talking about jobs. Um, so, sorry, I had to point you out. Um, yeah, talking about jobs and because our, the new C, um, system now is working for the doll under um, CDP, so Community Development Programs. Um, so you'll hear about um, jobs and how the intervention and Stronger Futures was supposed to create real jobs for Aboriginal people in our um, communities and our organisations, town camps, outstations. Um, we also will be talking about um, prisons, I guess, and the treatment, and we do have young um, Dylan and Vicky um, that will talk about the justice system. Stolen generation, like today, a lot of our kids, um, there's been more kids removed today from our families than prior 2006. Um, when the intervention first came out. And um, Uncle Vince mentioned treaty and the Uluru Statement. Um, the treaty is going to be um, discussed as well. This is over the course of the next two weeks, uh, two weeks now, two days, Saturday and Sunday. You're not going to be here for a long time. <laughs> Start leaving into the territory. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a lot of, lot of things have changed. Um, I think and I believe that some have changed for the worse. Um, when it comes to housing, we have the thing of paying next to market rent. Um, can we hold questions for Ron? Can we ask, um, ask questions later, please? Just let me finish what I've got to do. Okay. Um, so, um, so what's happened now is... I lost my train of thought because of you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a lot of our children have been taken away. Um, our rent has been increased. Um, we now have to pay next to market rent for living in, I, I guess, four walls. Um, not even livable half the time. I live in a house that's a year younger than me. My dad lived in there with his grandmother, three, old, three eldest children and his brothers and sisters. It was the first house that was ever built on a town camp um, here in Ellis. Um, I know we're mindful for time. Um, I don't know what else to say except there are there's going to meeting going to be a meeting held tomorrow. Now, whilst we've done speaking tours, we've also gone to 
forums and challenged a lot of non-Aboriginal people um, because we know people who have grown up in these towns um, know that there is a, I'm going to say it, redneck racist element, <coughs> you know. And what happened is that whilst the intervention was brought out, they believed that it was good for us, but now they complain about the average Aboriginal drunk on the corner. They complain about the average child breaking in and breaking entering and walking the streets at night. They blame us for not having a roof over our head for our children. They blame us for not putting our children first. They blame us for doll bludging. Now, once upon a time, I was a CDP participant because of the intervention. The first thing I became was a doll bludger because Mel Bruff and John Howard put me on income management. Look at all these old people still standing up. Old pensioners are doll bludgers. You know, so I don't want to preach to the converted already who's standing beside us, but what I'd like to see here tomorrow is, is some numbers because um, we, need, we need this and we need non-Aboriginal people to stand with us, you know, whether they're haters or lovers, but if they want to know what's wrong with us, why can't they come and sit and listen to us? If they want to know what's wrong with their kids on the street, why don't they come and listen to us? Instead of siding by political parties and putting policies together, why don't they come and stand beside us? So I offered people out of this group, out of the forum that's going to be held tomorrow at the Andy McNeil Room, Alice Springs Town Council, to come and be constructive and do something. Come and help us. So see what happens. Thank you. I've got some, um, I've got only Diane Stokes who wants to say something as well as Louise who wants to ask a question or make a statement. Um, Question? Or, or do you... Um, I can't hear you from there. Can you come over here so everyone else can hear you? Because it is getting recorded. Um, my name's Louise. I first started coming out to the Central Desert in the early 1970s. And uh, I've been, I've lived out bush at uh, Angerture at the invitation of some elders out there for some time with my family. I've also been working in Alice Springs for the last 10 years and I was out bush, supposedly responsible for 33 <laughs> remote schools when the intervention came through. What we've heard the personal stories tonight and I won't go through what I, I saw by myself now, I think it's just been explained so beautifully, particularly what happened to the men, which was just absolutely unconscionable, um, as well as the women and children. But my concern was in particular with the schools and what I saw happening to the children and how their culture was ripped away, the language was ripped away, and the schools really the safest thing that kids could do, and in many cases can still do, is to stay away from the school. So they talk about attendance rates. They're not going to get attendance rate until those schools are safe places for four kids. But I'd like to just recount to you uh, something that has, in the end, mobilised some change, 
and that is that 40 years ago, I first started coming across the uh, abuse of the, within the Catholic Church of children. And I tried then to get the government, the police, the church, this, the education department to do something. And, of course, nobody wanted to know about it. It wasn't until we started to get people lawyers that we actually started to get some kind of action. And ten years ago, I went and saw some lawyers about what I saw happening to the kids out bush and the fact that the, the way they were being treated. And I was told that, yes, it did sound like there was a good grounds for some class actions, but they had no money and they had no resources. I also went to Melbourne and spoke to some lawyers down there, some very well-known big um, law firms, and they also agreed, oh, yes, there probably is a case for class action, but, again, they weren't very interested. Now, just recently, we've had the refugees win hundreds of millions of dollars for things like inadequate education, inadequate housing, ina inadequate nutrition. And I'd like to put it to this meeting that over the next few days, in terms of what a possible next step be, is to start to consider how you can mobilise some class actions about what's been done to Aboriginal people. Because my experience is that unless the government is going to cost the government more to do the wrong thing than to do the right thing, nothing will change. Because they have a vested interest in disempowerment because Aboriginal culture by its very essence is a very big threat to a market economy. So I'd just like to put it out there as an idea to be considered and perhaps explored if we've got some lawyers here because there's certainly some very strong cases. Thank you. Me and my partner, we came up early this morning from Tennant Creek on the bus and it was an um, uncomfortable ride coming up here. So I just wanted to let you know about Tennant Creek. Um, well, yesterday was the day, or the other day, my grandson got in trouble with the police because um, he broke into a Barclay Shire, stole a car from there with two of, two of his other two cousins, they took off and chucked it in the big ditch there. They, they were doing it, I don't know, it's because of what they see from what police doing to people in Tennant. And I know my grandson, he was on petrol sniffing, smoking ganja, smokes, walking at night, Every time I bumped into him at the BP, talked to him to tell him to go home. So he does, he goes home. Next day he done this. Next night he done that. And yesterday his mother got out of prison. My big daughter, she went home. He was on his way on the plane coming here. So he's here in Alice Spring, remaining in custody. I'm just worried about my grandson. We don't know if he's going to come out or stay in there because he hasn't got a bail. 
is going in for what he done to that car, Parkley Shire vehicle. And I don't want anything to happen to him while he's in prison, while he's up there. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, always, I always heard every young girl who's a young mother today, I don't like, I don't wanna, that's their favorite word. What do you mean by that? I don't like going to hospital. I don't wanna be in hospital. And I sat down with my daughter because she said that to me. I wanted to make her tell me clearly what, what's going on in the hospital. Tennant Creek Hospital, Alice Springs Hospital. I think they're both communicating the same word. This is what I want to put forward in this meeting where we can have someone, Aboriginal person who can speak language or in Creole, what we call pidgin language, talk to our mob when they come from Tennant Creek to Alice Springs Hospital to ask them if they feel comfortable because it's not them that's sick, the babies are sick. And they don't want to stay in hospital. I don't like being here. I don't want to go to Alice Springs. I hear that from every young girl. They're too scared to be in hospital because of nurses. They have, when they talk to them, they don't talk in a good way. They talk really, you know, like hurting that person's feeling, how they talk. And then after that, when that young girl says, nah, well, I want to go home, what they do? They go straight to welfare. Today, my daughter's under welfare for my baby grandson. And she was sent to Adelaide Hospital with the baby. She was all right. She went over there. She's, she had cat beaten over there to look after her because we called her up to go and sit down with her and have a yarn. Here in Alice Springs Hospital, she's got family here. But she don't know them because she grew up with my family. And it's not only her, it's every other young girl that has kids when they're young. And we just want to see what, what hospital is doing if they have someone who's Aboriginal working in there as a liaison to communicate with our mob. And in Tennant Creek, we want to see someone working as an Aboriginal black fella working inside. Umbrani to work there, Aboriginal person to work so they can feel comfortable seeing that person working there to help them out. Not working, but communicating with them and just comforting them while they're in there with their babies. We don't want to see welfare taking their kids away. And you know what? Every time I sit back, I think it's going back to the stolen generation. It's leading that way, where? So they can end up in foster family and get abused. That's true. And our young ones starting to go back to jail now. And we don't want that. I don't want to see this happen. Especially young boys, young girls. Never had much of young girls going to jail, but young boys do. We don't need that. And I was thinking back when I was sitting over there, 
at my home, at the block, and I'm still there for 10 years in my humpy. 10 years now. Um, thinking about what, what shall I do to these young mothers? I should ask someone to come out and help me or come and give me advices so I can find a place in town. There's a lot of empty buildings. Find somewhere for young mothers to come to have nutrition class for the mothers to learn about how to cook for their kids. Stand up for your kids. Don't let the welfare take the kids away from you. I'm seeking for that. I need help. Because we don't want young mothers coming up here and getting bossed around in this hospital here, or in Tennant Creek Hospital, and getting welfare. Come out there high and mighty with their flash clothes, looking really smart, saying, oh, we want to talk to so-and-so. We want the mothers to start talking to their young, mother, uh, young kids, young daughters. We don't want anyone bossing us around. I told this welfare, you don't come and tell me what to do. That's my daughter. I've got mouth to talk to her. You leave her alone. You, you back off and go. But he came around one time when I wasn't there. You was there, Mark. And they said to her they were going to take that little boy off her when I wasn't there. I told him to back off, but he don't listen. And you know where he come from? He come from Africa. And I told him, you go back to Africa and look after your mob. That's what I told him. Don't come and tell us what to do. We don't go to Africa and tell you what to do as a black fellas. So we need to stand up for our mob. Check hospital, this hospital up, Tenerick Hospital, because they need help. Our young mothers need help, because Tennant Creek's got a remote communities coming to Tennant Creek Hospital. Here, you've got a lot of remote communities coming. That's why I think young mothers are frightened to go to hospital taking their babies. But we need to look at that. Thank you. Um, any questions for our panelists? It's almost nine, and I know what you're like. <laughs> I'm just playing. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, thanks, everyone. I've got plenty to say about intervention, but I'm not going to. We've got a long weekend. Um, you want to speak, brother? But uh, Dylan wanted to uh, get a message across as well to let everyone know. One o'clock on... On Monday, we're marching as well. We've got conference all weekend. One o'clock on Monday, we're marching. So go out and tell all the friends, all the family all across town, be there at the courthouse lawns at 1 p.m. We're going to take to the streets to say enough's enough. We've got big demands against the intervention for change to bring back power to the communities. But this weekend, we also got a very specific demand on the NT uh, Justice Minister Dale Wakefield here in town who is about to move all the kids, including, uh, we just heard about the young fella locked in the Alice Springs Youth Detention Centre. They're threatening to move those kids up to Dondale in Darwin while they do this, like, uh, renovation or something they want to do on the prison. They want to take them all away from their family. So we put the demand on the minister on, um, on Wednesday night. We said we're not going to accept that and we want an answer. 
from the minister about not moving those kids. If they're going to do anything with them, they'll be setting them free or they'll be taking them to a bush camp around here somewhere, not sending them to Dondale in Darwin. So that's, that's a very short little thing they can do as well as all the big uh, demands we've got. So, yeah, please bring, uh, bring everyone along on Monday. We can do a bit of march around town, a bit of a tour of shame, the big police station and Supreme Court building they've got, Nigel Scullion's office, Dale Wakefield's office. It'll be a good day. Thanks. Um, if there's no other comments, um, I'd like to close now and thank you all for coming. <laughs>